Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to Buckethead Land Grant Holy Lands College Basketball Podcast. My name is Connor Lamans and I will be joined by my co-host Justin Goble in just a moment for episode 25 of our weekly mixing bowl of college basketball thoughts, observations, assertions, all that good stuff. Uh, today is especially interesting, Justin, because we had the chance to talk to one of our absolute favorite people for this episode, Mr. Mark Titus of Fox Sports and the Titus and Tate podcast. Yeah, we've been trying to get Titus on the podcast for a few months now, and he's a very busy man, so we we're finally able to make it work. Uh, so shout out to him for joining us today. It was, it was a blast to get to talk to him and Obviously, in the middle of the college basketball season, it's always fun to talk to guys who have that insight. So uh, we will get to that interview here very soon. But first and foremost, we have some business to attend to, which is the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yeah, it seems that uh, it's been forever since Ohio State played basketball last, but they do play tonight on the road at Minnesota, 8 o'clock tip at the barn, which is a venue that Ohio State has not won at since January 5th of 2015. So it's been over seven years um, I was still in high school. The Buckeyes won 74-72 in overtime at the barn with Ohio State legend Mark Loving, who I actually went to elementary school with, uh, putting the Buckeyes up with his dunk with five seconds left in overtime. Um, it's not been a friendly venue for the Buckeyes since then, Justin. They've lost three in a row at the barn since that win seven years ago. Yeah, the barn's an incredibly tough place to play. Uh, just the atmosphere of it, the way it is set up logistically, uh, they've done a good job of it's kind of like Nike Arena. It's just very, very close, very loud, very sound oriented. It makes it tough for opposing teams to come in and play. Um, the past three times they've played at the barn, there's been some obvious just matchup issues and whatnot. Uh, last year, particularly Liam Robbins uh, had a had a heck of a game for them. He is now at Vanderbilt, and Marcus Carr is now at Texas, uh, and this is a whole new um, whole new team for. Uh, for Minnesota, they had 10 transfers come in this year. So they're still trying to figure a lot of stuff out. They've had some close games this year where it kind of seems like they might be getting close to it. 
Um, they lost to Michigan State at the buzzer, basically. Um, you know, they 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 play. They just beat Rutgers um, by three, which was a big win for them. But they they started off very strong, and they've kind of tilted. They're two and five in Big Ten play, and it's just you know they're still trying to figure some stuff out. They've had some COVID issues as well. Um, their injury report is very kind of it's very large right now. Uh, it's inter- it will be it'll be interesting to see who actually they're able to play tomorrow. Eric Curry, which is one of their only returning guys, is day to day. Jamison Battle, who's one of their better players, um, he's he's day to day. So they have a lot of issues right now just in terms of getting guys on the floor. It was a huge win for them to beat Rutgers. Uh, bad bad loss for Rutgers because they only had seven guys available. But Peyton Willis stepped up, who we've talked about before. He's a heck of a player, and he's a guy that can kind of get you twenty to twenty-five any game. But you know, this we're into we're into kind of the part of the season where you just have to beat Minnesota. You know, the excuses are kind of gone. You know, Ohio State's very limited as well. You know, Jamari Wheeler might not play. Michi Johnson's day to day, but you just got to win these games. Obviously, on the road, um, kind of gives you that mulligan a little bit, but. It's kind of like the Penn State's Northwesterns of the world. You just have to win now, uh, late January against these teams that you're just simply better than. Ohio State's just a better team than Minnesota. Those matchup issues aren't there anymore, and you know you just have to take advantage of what you can and ride your kind of star, which is EJ Liddell in this one. Yeah, they're just yeah they're just not a great team. They have a lot of uh, new faces. They've got uh, they really rely heavily. On like four, on their starters, basically, they have four guys who essentially average 30, 34 minutes per game or more, which is uh, which is absolutely crazy to put it in perspective. Um, I think the only Ohio State player that averages thirty minutes per game is EJ Liddell. Jamari Wheeler, I believe, averages twenty nine. Um, Minnesota has four guys who average at least thirty four minutes per game, so they lean on their starters basically the whole game. And they potentially could be out two of their top three scorers again against Minnesota. Um, I don't know if it was injury or COVID related, but um, you know they barely had enough guys to play against Rutgers. Still beat them. Pretty sure Peyton Willis, who we who we talked about way more than I thought we would talk about Peyton Willis ever um, in our last episode. He I think he had thirty two points against Rutgers. So um, they have a few individual guys who can make big plays. But they were not a deep team before injuries and illness, and now they're even more thin. Um, so the barn or not the barn, it's a game that they just have to find a way to win. Yeah, and another thing that kind of can attribute to those minutes is the fact that Ohio State has played some games this year where they've blown their opponent out. You know, like the IUPUI game where guys play only 18 to 22 minutes, the starters. Minnesota doesn't have those games. They beat Western Kentucky by four. Princeton in double overtime, Jacksonville by 10, you know, even uh, Kansas city earlier in the year, they played, they beat them by 15, but you know, that's probably still keeping your starters in. So they, every single game they've had to really lean on their starters, even the games they've won. And even the games they've won fairly easily, it hasn't been these 30 point wins. It's been like eight to 12. So uh, that's another reason why they just, they, they can't play their bench guys because they have to keep their starters in because they don't have a lot of depth. And they're not blowing teams out. So that's something that's kind of benefited Ohio State throughout the year and has not benefited a team like Minnesota. I mean, one of their biggest wins, like as far as like a, a margin of victory was was beating Michigan on the road. So beating Michigan in Ann Arbor, they won by 10. Um, yeah. 
which was a huge win for them. It's a big win, and Michigan is I – I wouldn't say that Michigan's figured it out yet, but I think they've won two in a row, so um, they're slowly kind of showing a pulse. But, uh, yeah, you, you're exactly right. I mean, Minnesota beat some like some bad teams by like barely double digits. They beat Pitt by one. Um, like you said, Jacksonville, Western Kentucky, Kansas City, Princeton, like not good teams that they are just barely beating. Um, First-year head coach – a roster totally patched together with um, you know a bunch of transfers. Honestly, they've been better than what we thought they would be. I think like at the beginning of the season, the the what is your one bold prediction? My bold prediction was like Minnesota is the first team in like twenty years to lose every single Big Ten game because I thought they were going to be that bad. Yeah, and credit to Ben Johnson, honestly, because he's done a great job of kind of having them buy in. Uh, they, you know, the Rutgers game, they were just playing with so much passion and so much energy. And when you're coming into a game, you're one and five in conference. Sometimes you can start to lose that. And um, I think he realizes that this is a process. They lost, like I said, almost 10 guys to transfer all of them, their top players. So, you know, it's, it's tough when that happens, but they've done a good job of buying in. And, um, you know, Ohio State just needs to, this, this is a big win because any road conference win is a big win. So this is a big game for them because they kind of just ha- they just have to get it, just get the win, move on, um, and then obviously it kind of I don't want to say it gives you the cushion to lose to Purdue on Sunday, but it kind of gives you the cushion to lose to Purdue on Sunday. You don't want to. We talked about you never want to lose both your games. If you play two games in a week, you never want to go zero and two. If you go one and one, it happens. You lose games, especially on the road at Purdue. I mean that's as hard as it gets this season. Um, so if they can just keep that game, you know, close and, and competitive, I think that's a that's kind of a I don't want to say moral victory because I don't like that term, but it helps. Um, but if you lose to Minnesota, now you lose to Purdue, now all of a sudden it starts to snowball a little bit. So you just win this game and then take whatever you got to Purdue. Yeah, I agree. And and you were saying like gives you some cushion to lose at Purdue. I mean, you know, we still want them to beat Purdue and they totally could beat Purdue, but um eh, man, it's gonna be tough. Um, and we will publish like a, like a game preview that morning, um, in, you know, on the website, we're not going to do a whole lot of like talking about Purdue today, but that's going to be, um, Ohio state's toughest game on their schedule this season. No doubt. That's going to be a huge challenge for them, especially with, with the bodies that they're still missing. Um, I think that's probably enough preview stuff for Minnesota. Um, they're Ken Palm's number 88th team. Only two Big Ten teams are below them. It's Rutgers at 96, Nebraska at 160. So hopefully they get that game back on the schedule. Um, it's just a game they got to win. So I think that's enough Minnesota stuff. Um, let's go ahead and get into the fun stuff now. We talked to Titus about a variety of stuff regarding the Big Ten, the Buckeyes, and and more. It's always a good time with Mark the Shark. So without further ado, here is our interview with Mark Titus. All right, we are here with college basketball analyst slash podcaster slash dog dad and the president of the Brad Stevens fan club, Mr. Mark Titus. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm I'm doing fantastic. What an introduction. That's got a that I've certainly never been introduced like that before, but uh nothing you said was false, so um but but it, it's good to be here. I'm excited. Um I have nothing else to say as, as for opening remarks. 
there's, there's other stuff we could throw in there, but I felt like those are the most important couple. Those, um, yeah. We're super excited to have you on for a little bit, talk some Ohio State hoops, but there also is just a lot of just general shit going on in college basketball that definitely needs mm-hmm. to be talked about. First and foremost, Chris Mack. Yeah. He's out the door at Louisville. I think they just named an interim coach, but obviously he, he's not getting the job. He's gone as soon as the season's done. So who do you think is – who could replace Rick uh, – who could replace Chris Mack and why is it Rick Pitino? Yeah, it's Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino is – there. so I think you got to divide it into three different categories. I think there are three candidates that, that stand out to me and uh, there are three um, different – paths you can take this so there's the rick patino path which is the you know i for, for those who may not be aware rick patino was the louisville coach before chris mack um they fired him because the fbi uh arrested a bunch of people uh did a press conference where they were like we're coming for everybody in college basketball there's corruption out the ass and we're aware of it we have your playbook was the actual direct quote we have your playbook um and I think Louisville got scared because rightfully so, like Rick Pitino has towed the line, the morality line so many times that uh, they said, oh my God, the FBI, the the NCAA is it, surely they're going to just completely nuke our program. They get scared. They fire the guy. But then it comes to find out that the entire investigation was toothless. None of the, the only two, the only two programs that really like cooperated with the FBI or the NCAA through the FBI investigation was uh, Oklahoma State and Louisville. Oklahoma State like bends over backwards and is like, we'll do whatever you want, NCAA. And NCAA is like, thank you, postseason ban. <laughs> and Louisville fires Rick Pitino. Every other school like fights it, basically. And now you look up and we live in a world where Bruce Pearl and Auburn are the number one team in the country and everyone's celebrating it. And Bruce Pearl has the entire college basketball world eating out of the palm of his hand. And I guess my point is, is that if I'm Louisville, I look at how everything went down and I say mistakes were made. Um, we have a unique opportunity to right those wrongs. Bring Rick home. I think it's it's all new administration. So like everyone that was involved in the the firing of Rick Pitino in the first place, it's my understanding they're all like gone. So like bring him back. And I think if I'm a Louisville fan, I'm not even joking. Like that's the meme pick is Rick Pitino. But I'm also like I never wanted this guy to get fired in the first place. Bring him and back. I don't. It's interesting because it's like they fire him because of all the stuff that happened allegedly. Allegedly. And then it's like, do you bring him back as in like, you know, you've you've served your penance and you can come back? Yeah. Or do you bring him back like he really didn't do anything. Let's just bring him back. He's the best candidate. Well, like it just seems the, odd. No, that, that's the thing. It's like I genuinely think Rick Pati- – it's not like a uh, we're, we have to bring him back to like close the loop and apologize for how we treated him or anything like that. Because, you know, Rick, Rick Pitino brought a lot of it on himself. So, I mean, like he's not exactly the victim in all this. Uh, you bring him back because he might actually be the best coach. Like the guy is, he's got Iona Roland since he's got there. Um, they, he, he's, he's, I, I genuinely believe that Rick Pitino might be the best coach in college basketball history, which seems insane because he's only won two national titles. And, you know, when he stacked it up against like, say, a Coach K's resume, you're like, how could that be possible? If you look at like the, the innovations that he brought to the game and, the way he's coached, like like he 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 does not regularly land five star recruits, and he year in and year out those Louisville teams had an identity, and um, 
I just the, the the way he would coach a basketball team is is something that can't really be replicated. That the man's a genius in that regard. The off the court problems are what they are, but we live in a world now where like nobody cares about that stuff anymore. Nobody cares. Like for God's sakes, re- remember when I, I'm I'm old enough to remember when guys getting free tattoos at Ohio State was like the biggest scandal college sports <laughs> had ever seen. And now, I mean, like now everyone would cheer that on if that happened. If the tattoos happened now, everyone would be like, hell yeah, get your good for the players like they should be able to do that like i well first of all it wouldn't be a violation because name image likeness but um you get my point is like the whole the whole way we look at this stuff has completely changed so i think rick patino is the, is the uh they're, they're not going to hire him but that is like i i think they should seriously call him and like at least give him the courtesy of like floating his name as like a possibility which it, again it's not going to happen so that brings us to the other two options which um i see it, Louisville doing one of two things, which is like you go the path of of what they went down with Chris Mack, which is to say like the guy who, uh, you know, isn't necessarily, you know, like the, the most buttoned up guy on earth. And I'm not saying he's like a saint, but, you know, maybe isn't of the Rick Pitino mold. The whole reason they hired Chris Mack in the first place was like Rick Pitino in their mind had kind of ruined the perception of the program and uh, introduced all this unnecessary bad PR and NCAA sniffing around and all that stuff. So let's bring in this guy from this tiny Catholic school that's just like, you know, has has bright eyes and a bushy tail and is so excited to be at a place like Louisville. And let's try to clean up this program and all that sort of stuff. And Matt gets fired basically because he does the exact opposite and just introduces <laughs> all sorts of distractions of his own. Um so I think if you're going that route where you're like, let's let's try not to do the splashy hire. We're not trying to like go nuts here. What we're trying to do is get a guy who's going to like provide some stability, some, uh, you know, non-controversy, et cetera, et cetera, to the program. I think Kenny Payne's the guy who uh, played at Louisville, was was Cal's assi- was uh, John Calipari's assistant at Kentucky for 10 years, is now an assistant for the Knicks. Um, I think that's the name that everyone's going to be floating around in, in the sense of like the the non-controversial, like no-brainer type, hire that guy. and, and Like everybody's I, happy with it. Yeah, everyone – it's not like – I'm not going to pretend like he's going to, you know, win a national title at Louisville. Um, I don't know what a home run hire looks like anymore because I thought Chris Mack was a home run hire. But I think if, if Kenny Payne gets hired, there's there's not a lot of – people Louisville they're going to be upset about that I think most people are going to be like let's give him a chance and see what happens and and at the very least you expect him to bring some stability to the program and whether you you look up in five years and you're like all right we didn't make enough tournaments we didn't do enough um that is what it is but you're I you know you're going to hope for at, at least there's not chaos in the headlines right now the other option is invite the chaos in the headlines. Invite the uh, – <laughs> say to yourself, we did screw up by firing Rick Pitino. We screwed up by trying to pretend that ethics matter in college sports. Let's just go get those Ws. That's all that matters. Cash and, and winning, that's it. And you go the, the route of like a Bruce Pearl or Will Wade, you know? And that's the, I think that's like the other path they could take. And I think if I'm Louisville, I mean, Bruce Pearl is the call you make. And I, I say this as a guy that like – I am of the opinion that Bruce Pearl. It's it's. I'm fifty fifty on whether Bruce Pearl should even be allowed to think about basketball, college basketball, given like <laughs> his history. I mean, this guy is like it's unbelievable. As 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 I saw someone put it, you can be a snitch or you can be a cheat in college basketball, but being both is is like unbelievable. Um, 
And that that's Bruce Pearl. That that's like his history. But at the same time, the guy is again like you can't deny the success he has and and how good of a coach he is. And he's got Auburn for of, of all places. Auburn is number one in the country. And um, so I I think those are their 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 decisions they have to make. Is like what do you what are you trying to what what is the Louisville basketball brand now? Because they tried to cleanse themselves of the Rick Pitino brand, and I don't think that was entirely necessary. And my hope is that if they don't if they don't go after Patino himself, they go back to the Patino brand, which in my mind is the, the, the Bruce Pearl. I mean, Bruce Pearl is the answer. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I think, as you said, it's very it, going from Chris Mack to like a Bruce Pearl, or Will Wade would be just absolutely unbelievable uh, for Louisville. Um, yeah. and it's kind of interesting with Louisville because Chris Mack, you know, he wasn't, I guess I, I agree with you. I thought he was a home run hire. He wasn't a huge, huge name, but, you know, he had a pretty cushy gig at Xavier. Then he comes to Louisville. Where would you kind of place Louisville in terms of a top job kind of in the country or in college it's, basketball right now? It's it's up there. I mean, I don't I don't know if it's number one, but it is uh, whatever. If we're doing tiers, say, it's at the top tier. With, it's with the rest of the group. It is, uh, you know, I I, I think if, if you don't pay that much of attention or if you just ask like the average person they would assume that louisville plays second fiddle to kentucky and and louisville is like a notch below um that that's not the case they have the money first of all they they are now in the acc i think if you're asking me this uh 20 years ago it's a different conversation when louisville's in like conference usa or whatever the hell they were um but they're, they're now in the acc they got a ton of money they have like i i've never been to a game at the kfc yum center but the fact that they have uh, they, they they took the money to, to to put KFC Yum on the arena? It tells you like how much money is flowing through that place. That they're like, yeah, we don't care. We'll we'll have the worst named arena in sports. Just give us just make sure the checks cash. That's all we care about. Um, I've heard that the place is is nuts. It's it's nice as hell. It's like a the, the nicest pro arena in college sports. Uh, but most of all, like they they got the biggest college basketball market in the country. Like Louisville, you look at like like uh, television ratings and interest in college basketball, all that kind of stuff. It is an absolute hotbed. You can pull recruits from Indiana and Ohio and Kentucky, obviously, like anywhere in the Midwest. But you're also like sort of have a connection to the South, you know. Um, so I I think Louisville is. Uh, you know, I, 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 I've never really stopped and like tried to rank like is North Carolina or Kansas or Kentucky one. And then who's, you know, I've never really got that far, but, uh, it is definitely, definitely a top, top job to the point that, um, I, I, th- I think like, honestly, even as a Buckeye myself, like, I don't, I don't expect, uh, you know, God forbid that like Chris Holtman, the Disney gets gets floated but I'm, I'm i'm saying it as perspective of like even the part of me that that uh you know like i don't i, I won't hold to retire at ohio state he's awesome but um i also understand that like i i think louisville was probably a better job than ohio state like oh. i really think it might be and i don't know this is me being honest like i don't it's 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 a basketball school it's like it's got like everything ohio state has except it's a basketball school and those people just go nuts about basketball in a way that um, you know, maybe they don't at Ohio State, which that's okay. But the two uh, names that I saw earlier today, which they're honestly they're both comical, but for opposite reasons. First, I saw something about Tom Crean that John Calipari <laughs> wrote him a letter of recommendation. He's like forty-five and sixty at Georgia. Like that program is still a trash can. And the second one, I know somebody who works for a Cincinnati radio station. So if this happens, uh, credit the Bucketheads podcast. Apparently, Louisville is going to put all the cash on the table and try to get Mick Cronin out of UCLA. What? 
I'm not. I can't but, name my. But, can't name my. Can't name my sources. But I was told this morning, and I just responded just with all caps. LOL. Because UCLA is a top probably five. This is, this job. is I guess. This is I guess what I. The, the point I'm making. I'm going to walk back saying that Louisville's better than Ohio State. Because I, I think Ohio State's actually up there too as one of the. But but Louisville. I guess I, I got carried away. Louisville to me is a job of enough caliber to where I do think I don't think they're gonna they're gonna go after McCrona. But if they do. Um. Yeah, like like that would not surprise me. That the, the the idea of the UCLA coach leaving to go to Louisville is not shocking to me, um, because I do think Louisville is on that level. If that makes sense, like that that is that mm-hmm. is that is how I view like even yeah. I don't know if if North Carolina's coach wasn't Hubert Davis and he was like actually like I I, I there's not a there's not a or, or Bill Self if Bill Self is like a graduate of Louisville you know like if he's like a Louisville guy and he's like I've been waiting my whole life for this job to open up I don't think that would be insane for a guy to leave Kansas to go to Louisville like Kansas might be slightly better job but you know what I'm saying like it's it is it's in my mind of that ilk it is that caliber you can win if you get the right guy in there and plug him in you can win untold number of national titles um but, you know, that's easier said than done. My response back to him was UCLA to Louisville would be a huge step down. And he said, that's what I told him. I was then told, quote, but he loves betting on the ponies and he'd be much closer to his dad. <laughs> <laughs> he loves betting on the ponies. I don't think – so I, I love you. Like I don't think it's a huge step down, I guess, is my point. I think it's like it, – it's probably a slight step down, but it's just like a – it's just a different animal. It's like it, it depends on what you value. It depends on – um, you know, I live in LA now. I go to more UCLA games than, than I've, I've probably been to more UCLA games in the last three or four years than Ohio state games. And, um, I, it, no matter how good UCLA is there, there is just like a passive, uh, just a, a passive sense in the fan base of, and, and that's not to say like all the UCLA fans don't care about UCLA, but like, it's just a different vibe, man. And, and if you're someone like Mick Cronin, who's, you know, not exactly a laid back guy, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe there is some small part of him that's like, this is cool, and I like living by the beach, and I like winning, and I, I like everything I got going on. But like, some small part of me wants to go back to closer to home and bet on ponies. I guess I don't know. Like, I, if if Mick Cronin did do that, I don't think he'd be insane. Um, I I think Louisville would be insane to to ask him though. They should they should go get Bruce Pearl, <laughs> go get Rick Pitino. Why get Mick Cronin when Rick Pitino's right there? Yeah, um, I agree with you. I think Rick Pitino is. I'm as a Ohio State fan, I'm absolutely terrified they're going to get a five seed this year and have to play a twelve seed at Iona because I think Iona is going to be that kind mm-hmm. of team that you just do not want to see uh, in the tournament as that kind of lower lower seed of a lower you know kind of mid major. But you know, kind of transitioning a little bit to uh, from I guess UCLA to another uh, historic program, uh, we wanted to bring up Indiana. Obviously, we know you love your Hoosiers. You're from Indiana. On a scale of one to ten, I mean. What a roller coaster week they had for one. I know, I know. But where are you on this Indiana program right now? That is uh that that's the problem with IU is the the roller coaster, as you said, is like every time they get a big win, it is like they they have won the national title and they're back and that the, there's the, I, I get so many texts from my friends and family just saying how back they are. And I mean anyone who's <laughs> followed Indiana basketball even a little bit knew that the Michigan I, I didn't expect him to get blown out by Michigan at home I'll be honest I did not expect that um the hangover game does not surprise me at all <laughs> the fact that they didn't they like they came out very sluggish after beating Purdue is not a surprise at all to me um because yeah it's just that the, the, there there has to be 
some sort of stability again with, with Indiana. That's been the problem. Is like even even when Crean was there and he won he won multiple Big Ten titles. Um, and I think like those those that weren't really paying that much attention to Indiana were like, why would they fire this guy? He's won a couple Big Ten titles. I'll tell you why because he's missed a bunch of NCAA tournaments too, and he had yeah. he had garbage records sprinkled in there too. And that is that is the annoyance I think that Indiana fans have is the roller coaster. I think like all they want is just like if we just if, if IU just like for the next five years just makes the tourney every year and loses in the first or second round, they're not going to like celebrate it. But there's some small part of the Indiana fan base would be like, thank God we're making the tourney every year. Like that's all we kind of want right now is just some sort of stability. Um, I think I, I, Mike Woodson, you know, like he's he's uh, he, he's he's an older dude, so like it's not like he's going to be coaching there for the next 20, 25 years or anything. Um, but but I think that's what his job is. I think he took over the job. I think Indiana's plan with this is have Mike Woodson take over and and just get everyone to calm down. Just every everybody on both sides of like you know people that crap all over Indiana and say it's a dead program and it's you know get them to shut up, but also get like the Indiana fans to kind of cool up, cool down a little bit. Uh, and I think I think he's going to figure that out. I think he's going to be great at that. I think year one the goal is just make the NCAA tournament and beat Purdue. They've already beat Purdue. I think they're going to make the tournament. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs. They they play Penn State tonight. They lost to Penn State the first time they played them. So who the hell knows what's going to happen there? But um, I, I I believe in uh, I believe in Mike Woodson. And I believe in in Indiana because I, I I think the other thing and and I know I'm getting long winded here, but. Um, Boy, I have a lot of thoughts on Indiana basketball. <laughs> You're good. Uh, You're good, man. The other thing is, like, I think people nationally they they want to look at IU and say that IU is they, they pick pick a football program and and that is what IU is. Whether it's like Texas or I've I've, I've seen Nebraska too. Those seem to be the two that people always point out to me. It's like how is Indiana basketball not just Texas football and how is it not just Nebraska? I think it's a combination of both. Like the reason I always will continue to believe in IU is that I see the best of what Texas has to offer and the best of what Nebraska has to offer in the sense that Texas football's problem to me is that Austin is too cool of a city. That alumni base is too cool just for, for anything. And they're at a point as a, as a program where like, I, I genuinely don't think Texas cares that much about winning. I think they care about just like being cool and having Matthew McConaughey on the sideline and flash the hook em horns and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Nebraska uh, their problem is like it's Nebraska, for God's sakes. Like you're not pumping out in-state recruits, and like who wants to go play in Nebraska and all that sort of stuff. Indiana has the best of both worlds in the sense that like you have the recruiting hotbed. You will always, no matter you, you can fast forward a hundred years, and Indiana hasn't made the tournament a hundred years. The state of Indiana is still going to be pumping out five-star guys regularly. They're still going to just have just unbelievable basketball talent. So you're always going to have that right in your backyard. But unlike Texas football, the Indiana basketball fans do want to win. That's all they care about. They, in fact, they want the opposite of being cool. They hate they hate that Kentucky and Duke are so cool. They want like they don't want names on the back of the jerseys. They don't want anything cool. We just want to win some goddamn basketball games and that's it. And I think ultimately that has to win out. I think like if you throw enough money at a problem and there's there's interest there and there's talent, like at some point it's going to work. It has to. I don't know. Um so I, I that that's I, I believe in I believe in Indiana and I think like if you go back and look at like the last uh, twenty years, you know, since Bob Knight left, like Indiana basketball hasn't been as bad as people want to make them out to be. You know, like they won the Big Ten a handful of times and um, some Sweet Sixteens. Two thousand two, they're they're one game away from national champions. You know, and uh, 
you know, if they won in 2002, are people talking differently about IU? And, and Kelvin Sampson, that's the other part, is like Kelvin Sampson, they keep talking about like Indiana's program's dead and, and they can't get the coaching hire right. They had the right hire. They had Kelvin Sampson. They did what Louisville did, which is miscalculate how much people care about following NCAA rules. And, you know, if, if the Kelvin Sampson stuff happens today, Indiana just grabs their nuts and throws up a middle finger to the NCAA and says, do something about it. We're, we're not firing this guy. And they keep winning games, you know, and then Indiana basketball's back and no one has these conversations about, you know, the state of the program and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I think I think it's going to be fun. How do you uh, how do you separate your kind of Indiana and Ohio State love? Like when they play, where are your allegiances? When when CJ Jackson yeah. oh, hits yeah. a hypothetically a step back three point buzzer beater, are you calling your dad and saying up yours, yeah. dad? Or are you kind of yeah. just like. Yeah. I, I, like how do you do it's hard that? because i i do i do love indiana indiana was my first love and it's as i've gotten older um indiana basketball has become less about uh you know the actual team and 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 the hoosiers raising banner number six and all that kind of stuff and it's honestly just become away from my father and i to bond and my brother who went to iu and um so i'll watch the games and cheer for the hoosiers just because uh, you know, like, like that means the world to me. And especially my dad's had some health scares recently and, um, I don't take that for granted. So, uh, anytime like I, I can FaceTime my dad after an IU game and talk about it, like I, I, I treasure that time I have with him. So, uh, in that regard, like I, I definitely do care deeply for Indiana, but when they play Ohio state, like a switch just gets flipped in my brain and I just do not care whatsoever. And I want to beat the hell out of them. It's so, it's so like, it's, it, it's so frustrating. Cause like, even when we played at assembly hall this year and Ohio state loses at assembly hall. Um, I, I know that uh, like we, we get cheated every time we go to assembly hall. Like that place is, is the home cooking that happens there. I know this because I grew up watching so many Indiana games. Like I know how it works. And then when Ohio state goes in there, I just like lose my mind. And I realize how hypocritical that is. Cause almost always I'm cheering that on. And I'm like, this is great. I love that they're not calling any fouls on Indiana. And then Ohio state goes there and I'm like, what the hell is this? Why is nobody calling? <laughs> Why is EJ Liddell getting mugged yeah. repeatedly? Yeah. I remember one game when uh, I think it was like a 2011 or it was probably – no, it was 2012 because it was – yeah, it was the year – it was the uh, final four year at Ohio State. We went to the final four. We played at IU. I have never seen a team get cheated as badly as Ohio State did at Indiana. And I was I was like – no no one in my family or none of my friends wanted to hear it at all. And I was, I was just pulling my hair out, going nuts. This is the problem too is like I haven't been back to Assembly Hall um, except for Ohio State games. So I got to find a way to like go to an IU game where I'm not cheering against them because it's so much more fun than being at that place where you're cheering for the Buckeyes and you're like, this is so, this is so annoying how, what has transpired here. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, since we are, you know, we're talking a little bit of Indiana, we'll wind, we, we can widen the lens a little bit here. Just where are you kind of on the big 10 right now? You know, obviously coming into the year, I think everybody was on the Purdue train and, I think a lot yeah. of people still are. It's, we, we've joked because at one point they were higher in the AP poll than in the Big Ten standings, if that shows you what people think about Purdue. Uh, but right now it is kind of wide open. Just, you know, kind of who do you think is kind of the favorite right now and who do you kind of look at as maybe a team towards the middle of the pack? I guess this might be a loaded question with Michigan just beating Indiana, but uh, yeah. middle of the pack team that might be stepping stepping into it. Well, I, I, I think Purdue is still the most talented. I think Purdue is still the team that um, if, you know, I had to, to pick a team out of the Big Ten to go to the Final Four, or, uh, you know, I, 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 I think Purdue is 
Um, the, the, the frustration with Purdue is that they have an obvious ceiling when two of your three best players can't be on the court together at the same time. And th- there's just no working around that with Zach Eady and Travion Williams. Um, so like Purdue has some obvious flaws and uh, they, they've, they've revealed themselves this season already, but they, they just have an overabundance of talent. They have, you know, like Edie is a guy that um, there, there are a lot of big dudes in college basketball. Kofi Coburn, certainly one of them. Um, and and Sheboy at Kentucky, but Edie is just on another level. I mean, you saw the 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 Illinois Purdue game. Like it, seeing Coburn standing next to Edie, and you're like, oh my god, Kofi Coburn makes every single person in the Big Ten look tiny, <laughs> and yet Zach Edie makes that guy look tiny. It's it's crazy. Um, so I think like having having just difference makers like a Zach Edie, and then like a Jaden Ivy who is. You know, uh, Johnny Davis is great. Keegan Murray's great. Jaden Ivey is is on another planet with how talented that guy is. If he can just rein it in at times, so I still think Purdue. I I don't know if they're going to win the Big Ten. I I you know like some of that comes down to scheduling and and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of like the team I believe in the most, it still is Purdue, even though they've they've dropped a few lately. But um no like like. Illinois is at the top of the league. I think Illinois is a, is a fascinating team. They've it feels like they've played like three games all season with their entire roster. They've had guys out every single game, and sometimes they play better when they don't have. I mean, they just beat Michigan State without Kofi Coburn or Andre Corbello, uh, which you know sh- should matter, but apparently it doesn't. Like Illinois seems to get better when more guys are out. I do, it makes no sense to me. Um, so I, I want to see Illinois get their entire team back, go for like an entire month playing everyone together. I they they're definitely a very fascinating team as well. Uh, Michigan State, I think, I don't know they 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 got a they got a talent ceiling to me. I think like their whole team is just like a bunch of B plus dudes, and they play well together. And Tom Izzo will yell at him enough and grab him by the scruff of the neck enough and. <laughs> We, we've literally been saying that the whole the whole season. Like, can you close your eyes and see a team whose best player is I don't I don't know probably Gabe Brown? Yeah. Could you see them cutting the nets yeah. down? Gabe Brown and Malik Hall. I like like, eh. like yeah. The game's on the line in March. It's it's the Sweet Sixteen and Michigan State's down one with forty five seconds left, and Tyson Walker has the ball and he's clearing everyone out and he's saying, I got this. Is like that where you want to be? I don't know if that's where you want to be. You know, like I don't, I don't, I, AJ Hogart is, is doing, I, I, you know, like I can't picture, I can't talk myself into any of those guys being the guy, but I do talk myself into Tom Izzo always. So there's that. Um, I don't know. Wisconsin, I think like is, is going to regress to the mean a little bit. Like Wisconsin, the hot start Wisconsin had is because Johnny Davis was just going nuclear on everybody. And I think at some point, and it, it might've showed when Michigan state kind of handled them on Friday, but uh, I think Wisconsin's going to start dipping back down to closer to where we expected them to be, but they're still going to like, like I, I believe in Wisconsin as a, um, yeah, I think they have a very high floor. You know, this feels like a stereotypical Wisconsin team to me. Like, I, it would not surprise me if they made a Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, whatever. But uh, they they don't excite me unless Johnny Davis is just like a superhero, which he kind of is, though. You know, like that's that's the hard part for me. Is like at some point this guy's got to calm down, right? And then he just kind of doesn't. But he, he doesn't. just kind of doesn't. Um, no, and then and then and then there's the Buckeyes, which like we. It's boy been a frustrating season because we just like with all the COVID pauses and everything going on, it feels like we haven't we've played three games in the last month. Um, 
I, I, I think Ohio State is I, – I, we have the talent. We have the pieces. Um, I, I think there's some lineups that need to be shuffled around and some decisions that need to be made. I think just suing getting back would be helpful, certainly. Uh, but I don't know. The, the defense always worries me. I mean, last year, like the whole season, the, the, the entire makeup of the team last year was like we are unstoppable, but – our defense lacks at times and we're not great at closing out close games. And <laughs> unfortunately those last two parts seem to be the two most important things in the NCAA tournament is finding ways to close out games and finding ways to consistently bring it defensively. We're a little better this year defensively, I think, but that's still an issue. It's still like the, the, I don't love, uh, I don't love our defensive intensity sometimes. And we definitely have people, people forget that they are undefeated with justice. Suing that's before. true. People do it. That is that. true, and and Seth Towns is going to come back at some point, right? Uh, maybe in a, a few years or so. And um, <laughs> when that happens, and we're actually at full strength, then really look out because uh, no, I I the Big Ten man. What's frustrating as a guy who's loved Big Ten basketball his whole life is we find ourselves yet again in a position where there are a lot of very 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 good Big Ten teams. There are no great Big Ten teams. There is no Big Ten team that I point to and say that team is definitely belongs in the national title conversation. And uh, I, I, I feel like this is yet again another year where the Big Ten might sneak one or two teams into the Final Four even, but uh, none of them are going to cut down the nets. <laughs> That's where I feel like we're headed. Yeah, and um, you know my college basketball experience ends with me dropping 25 in an intramural game, but you played for Ohio State. You, know, you, were, you, you understand kind of the ins and the outs of it. Um, and we've talked about this, but maybe you have probably a different perspective. How huge is it, these kind of two little COVID pauses they've had? One of them, they weren't playing at all because it was their COVID pause. The other one, they've been practicing, but they haven't played a game in 10 days. How much does that uh, affect you? Because we've seen it affect some – it seems like it's affect guys like Justin Arns a little more than others, but – how much yeah. does that affect players? Well, I mean, I, I I never played during COVID, you know, so like I don't, I we never really had to deal with anything quite like this of what what these guys are dealing with. But I I will say when you're playing well, there's nothing you want to do more than than get back out there and keep playing. Like when things are going well, when when you're beating a Duke and 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 blowing out Wisconsin at home and and going on that run that uh you know that December run that the late I guess Duke game was technically at the end of November, but um that run through December that, that Ohio state was having, I mean, you're, when you're feeling yourself like that, you can't wait to get back out there and, and keep the momentum going and keep showing what you can do. And having, having these breaks, it, it is absolutely brutal. I imagine for these guys to, to have to start. That's not even to, to speak of like the actual physical uh, uh, devastation that COVID might be doing to lungs. Like, I don't know. I don't know how all this works. Like some teams come back from a COVID pause and they're better. Uh, we come back from a COVID pause and like I, we got the we got the strain of COVID that makes you not make shots. I don't understand it. I don't like I don't it doesn't really fully compute with me. But like I, I imagine some guys might be struggling with their lungs. I know uh, Hami Hawkes at UCLA. Uh, I, I, I believe that he he might have contracted COVID during UCLA's pause. And then when they came back, he was struggling for a while. He played well against Arizona last night, but he it took him a while to like finally show some signs of life. So I, I, you know, like I, I, this is such an unusual thing. And I think for a lot of people um, across the country, they're kind of over COVID or like they've kind of figured out a way to get back to normal life, however you want to phrase it, you know, Um, to where you, you you hear of COVID and you just kind of shrug your shoulders and keep moving. But uh, I, I, between the pauses and like the actual physical, like 
is it doing something to your lungs? And because I, I felt that way when we came, when we lost at Assembly Hall, because like we were, I felt like we were playing pretty well for the first half, certainly. It really did feel like the legs just went in the second half. It felt like watching that game yeah, at IU, was, like it, that was a game that they felt, it felt like they were within arm's reach, like the first 32 minutes yeah. of that game. And then you look at the score and they lost by like yeah. 18. And, and, you know, like obviously we're biased. So I'm going to make, I'm going to make as many excuses as I can. But, you know, someone, ran the numbers and, and, you know, you had like the physical attributes that we could see all the data or something. And you told me that like everyone on our team was gassed at the end of that game because, you know, like they, they had taken a long break or whatever it was. I'd be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense based on what my eyes showed me, you know, or what I saw with my eyes because, uh, so I, 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 I do think there's, there is some, some stuff to that. So hopefully, you know, there's, there's still plenty of time between now and the start of the NCAA tournament. Hopefully all that's behind us and we can, uh, build some momentum here with the last couple months of the season. Cause uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a mess even for me as a fan, man, like trying to follow the team and, and all that is like, when, when do we play? Is the season over? Like what, what the hell is going on? I don't even know what our record is right now. Like I, I, I think we've lost four, but I, are we, are we like nine and four? Are we like 18 and four somewhere in the middle? Like, I don't, I, I have no idea how many games we played. <laughs> it's uh it's wild. So Something I, that I think COVID kind of played a role in, obviously. Um, and my favorite comment that might have came out of this, just of reading like comments on Twitter and stuff, which are always fun, of course. But um, I saw somebody say after the Wisconsin game, they just can't play with Wisconsin this year. And that's like just forgetting about pre-COVID pause when they beat Wisconsin when by 20. beat Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's like yeah. I think there's there's been like two phases of the season and people are kind of getting them confused a little bit uh, because well, that, was, that was my favorite thing I saw. I, I will remind people that last year, the Baylor Bears, who uh, mm-hmm. you might remember yeah. won the national title, uh, they went on a lengthy COVID pause. When they came back, they played Iowa State at home. Iowa State won two games all season last year, uh, and Iowa State had Baylor on the ropes in Waco. Um coming off of a coat why that happened i have no idea you know like whether they were rusty whether they were like dealing with the effects of co- i i don't know but i remember watching that game and i i kind of like i was i was contextualizing it in the same way i would any other college basketball season so i was like watching that i was like oh man baylor might be a fraud and then like <laughs> you look up in march and baylor's just rolling everybody because they you know they they got their legs back under them they got their chemistry back whatever it was um so I don't know, you know, like we're, I, do I think we're going to be Baylor? No, probably not. But uh, that just shows you like th- there's something to that. There's something to taking these pauses that, that, that mess up some sort of momentum or chemistry or, or whatever else. So um, yeah, I, 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 I think we'll be all right. I think uh, there, there's enough time here. We can, we can get it back and we'll be fine. We, we got the pieces. You mentioning Baylor. Um, honestly, it's like, you know, what I was going to say next, you kind of lead into this next thing I was going to ask you about. I don't know if you watched the Kansas State Baylor game last night or you saw anything of it, um, but, I, but I don't know if you saw the back-to-back technicals literally on back-to-back possessions from like the Kansas State guy like dunked and he did like a little like trucker horn choo-choo <laughs> thing and they teed him up and then like uh, Matthew Meyer from Baylor literally the next freaking possession he like dunks and then like strokes his mullet and they tee him up too like are college refs competing with NFL yeah. refs with the taunting like. Is is shit just getting soft now? Like, wh- what is going on? That's uh, yeah. That, that there there needs to be like an approved list of uh, 
of, of taunts you can do, you know, like stroking the mustache, Drew Timmy stroking his mustache. That's allowed, but pulling on the mullet, not allowed. The, 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 the horn, the, the trucker horn, not allowed. We, we need like a manual to, to sort all this out. I don't know, man. Like, I don't, did you see the, did you see the Michigan one too? I think it was Caleb Houston. He just like shot a ball and then he immediately told the ref, no, 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 that's a three. That's a three. He was just telling him, no, my foot was behind the line. They teed him okay, up too. So let, let's 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 try to unpack all this. So I think a few things are happening. Number one, guys are celebrating in college basketball routine plays at an unprecedented rate. This is this is something that has been um the I need to see the Ken Palm stats on this, but I think we are uh, as a college basketball community celebrating made threes unlike ever before. Um I think this trend started in my mind. It started like in the the, the 2012 Kentucky team with uh, Deron Lamb and uh, uh, Marcus Teague was on that team. Every time they hit a three, they would do like the the goggles, you know, with the they make a, a I don't know how to say it on audio form. I don't know how the to upside yeah. down yeah, the yeah. They would do like yeah. the three goggles, right? So like that that was my introduction to like celebrating just just simple made three was like oh the Kentucky guys doing that, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? So then slowly you get like the the J.R. Smith starts influencing some people. You get guys like doing bows and arrows, you know, when they hit threes. Now it's gotten to a point where like every single guy has a thing. Every single – like if you were doing create a player mode on an NCAA basketball game, you would have to like declare what your made three-point celebration is for your created player because like you, you have to have one. Everyone has to have one. And so maybe what's happening is that the refs are not – uh, th- th- this all happened too fast. This is this advancement of three point celebrations has happened too fast, and the refs can't suss it all out. They don't know what's an insult and what's not because they grew up at a time where like everything was an insult if you if you celebrated this sort of stuff. I don't know. I'm just trying to think out loud. I think that's so. I think like they're just like misinterpreting what's going on that that they see things and they're like, is that an offensive gesture? And you're like, no, it's not an offensive gesture. I was just simply I just yeah. don't remember this being an issue a few years ago. Like if you if you stare down a guy and say, you know, F you, obviously yeah. that that's a T. But like guys are literally just doing stuff for fun that aren't being directed at other players and it's like nope. That's T. that's my stance, by the way, because I, I, I do think there should be, you know, like you can't I, I I think I think the cool kids would say like let guys do whatever they want out there. And to that I'd be like, you know, there's there's gotta be a line somewhere. Like we can't just have Guys doing suck at crotch chops and guys' faces as they're standing over them when they hit a three and stuff. Um, but I, I think if you're celebrating your own wins and you're not, you know, trying to rub it in the face of your opponent, yeah, you should be able to kind of do whatever you want, right? Like it's 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 pretty insane. Here's a, here's a galaxy brain thought I just had. Like, what if what if it's just and, and I don't even know if I believe this. I just feel like saying it. What if? Um, it's just indicative of the times we live in where like everybody, it's just a reflection of society as a whole that like, we're all a little irritable right now and tensions are high and the refs are just like, the refs just need to chill out, you know, like in their personal lives. Like they have like, like the, 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 the political situation in this country and COVID has worn on them for the last two years. And just some of the societal problems are, <laughs> are trickling down to our college basketball officials where they're they're going into these games very irritable for factors outside of the game collectively they all just have less they all just have less patience in the same way that like more people seem to be flipping out on like fast food workers across this country (laughs) um right now maybe that's what's going on is like these refs are just like a little tightly wound more so than before 
and that's bearing itself out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I believe that was just. It's a great question though, because you're right. It is like I, d- I don't know why this is happening now. It's not like it's not like this was a point of emphasis in the offseason or anything. So it's, I don't understand why it's happening. I will say I think being a ref or an official in a sport is one of the only jobs in the world where someone can get up and scream "You suck" in your face and you can't smack the shit out of them. Yeah, so that's probably <laughs> that's that, that might have something to do with it at this point. Honestly, you know who has it the worst is the the soccer officials. I don't know how much oh, soccer you guys watch, but 100%. like that cracks me up when like the, the officials will make a call and like the entire there's they like seven the guys on both teams just start <laughs> full sprint to the officials and start yelling in their faces and they just have to take it and there's like only recourse is to pull up a card out of his pocket and hold it up in the air and you're like what is this visual i'm seeing right now oh man yeah it's a it's a it is kind of a wild concept so i guess maybe in honor of chris mack we're gonna do one last thing with you uh before we get you out of here uh, and you know obviously before we do this we appreciate your time as always um, we're going to play quick hot or not in relation to coaches mm. and their seat. Um, okay. We'll start with Chris Collins and you can give as many much elaborations as you want, or you can just say hot or not. Uh, but we'll start with Chris Collins at Northwestern. Uh, I'm going to say not because Northwestern has such low expectations that he, <laughs> he still is he's still the guy that led him to a tournament. He's still got like, you know, they, they won at Michigan state this year. And I still think like that's enough for him you know like he he can i i think like the 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 tenor of the fan base is probably like all right we've, we've kind of seen enough of this guy but when he gets called into the meeting to make this decision about whether to fire him or not i think he can make a compelling case to not get fired and he'll you know so i think in that regard he's he's always going to be fine i'm going to say not and then this one's a little interesting just because of what almost happened last night but kwanzo martin at missouri Ooh, that one's tough that one's tough because oh I, I again, Missouri is in a weird spot where like Conzo Martin takes over for Kim Anderson, who is an absolute train wreck disaster. Like Conzo Martin to me is kind of like Jeff Capel at Pitt, where mm-hmm. they took over just absolute disasters. But like, God, that's tough. I'm trying to think through this. I think my gut. I just got to go with my gut. My gut says yes. My gut says he's on the hot seat, and I think that's I I I. I I think I think he could try to make a compelling case, but I think Missouri has to take a good long look in the mirror and be like, we stand for more than this, you know, and we don't. Th- this isn't acceptable. Almost beating Auburn, but not. It, it, they almost beat Auburn, but they also like Conzo not fouling at the end of the game. Yeah, was ridiculous. You <laughs> kind know? of a wild decision. Only- <laughs> yeah, so like, does he does he really get credit for that game? You know, like you almost won and you. The reason we kind of didn't win is because you screwed up with your coaching at the end. I don't think that's great. Yeah, the concept they were going to get a defensive rebound and get it up the court somehow with Walker Kessler just standing in the middle in four seconds probably wasn't the best uh, plan there to win. Uh, and then leading into our next question, Jeff Capel at Pitt. <laughs> oh, there you go. How about that? Look at the, look at we, we got some synergy going here <laughs> with the how our brains are operating. Uh, yeah, I think I think Jeff Capel has got to be on for the for the same reason. You know, it's just like Pitt. Uh, what what do you want to be as a program? Do you do you want to be the the Jamie Dixon era? They did not. They they ran Jamie Dixon out of town. He left to to go to TCU. Um, but you know, the, Jeff Capel certainly miles better than Kevin Stallings was, but I don't think Jeff Capel is the, the kind of ca- like Jeff Capel to me is kind of like the Tom Crean was at Indiana where it's like, yeah, this is technically, you can make the case that like you're better than your successor. Or, like you've, you've done a good job here. I don't even think he's as good as Crean is, but, uh, 
at a certain point you as a program you have to evaluate the whole thing and be like we we need better than this 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 isn't good enough and i don't think capel is i don't think capel's ever really been that good of a coach by the way even in oklahoma he wasn't like that good he just got the griffin brothers to to play for him and he had a nice little run there but like otherwise i don't like he he he's never he's always been like like the idea of him has always been better than him actually you know um so I, yeah, I, I, I think Chris Mack to Pitt. Is that what you're saying? Jeff Capel out. Chris Mack goes to Pitt. I actually, I actually, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, as you said, I was like, I, I, I can see it. I said it as a joke, but like now that I'm thinking about it, that would that would make a ton of sense. Rifles through notes. I don't see that here, but <laughs> uh, it makes sense. And then, uh, like I said, obviously, so, somehow we promised we did not give uh, Mark Titus these questions beforehand. But our next question is Tom Crean at Georgia. Oh, Tom Crean's got to be on that. I mean, I, they, they beat Alabama last night. And for some reason, like people in the college basketball world felt like that was a huge deal. Alabama is an absolute mess of a team right now. Like they, Alabama beat Gonzaga, which is cool and great and good for you and all that. But um, any any team in, in the country could beat Alabama on the, on the right night. I swear. That team is so hot and cold. It's ridiculous. Um, that's not enough for Tom Green to save his job. It's it's been it's been not a successful tenure to put it mildly. Um, and I don't I don't know. I mean, like the, the only thing I could think is like Georgia wins the national championship in football, so they're just they almost like don't even notice that the basketball team sucks, <laughs> and he just buys himself a couple more years because like no one everyone's just too drunk celebrating the football title to even realize how how abysmal the program's been. Um, that's why the Louisville thing was so funny because why are we rewarding this? Yeah, I, I don't get it at all. Tom Crean, I mean, even again, like when 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 Indiana fired Archie Miller and like the narrative all this past offseason or like when they were, you know, doing a coaching search and I was trying to meme Brad Stevens IU, uh, I just kept seeing people talking about how like Indiana has unrealistic unrealistic expectations and like firing Tom Crean is, a, is an example of that because Tom Crean is a great coach, et cetera, et cetera. Tom Crean missed the NCAA tournament more than he went to the NCAA tournament at Indiana. Like Tom, Tom Crean has – I'm not going to pretend like he's a horrible coach, but if you look at his, at his run, like it is deceiving. You know, like he's, he's had a handful of good years, but as like a, a guy who like brings it night – you know – not night in year in and year out. Like he's, he is, he is far from like a consistent known entity in college basketball. You're, you, you, you'll never hear someone say the words like going into a season. I, I don't really know much about this roster, but I trust Tom Crean, you know, like the, the, those, and the way you would say that about like a Jay Wright or a Tony Bennett or, you know, some of these other guys, no one has ever, yeah, no one has ever said that about Tom Crean. And that's for a reason. Um, so the idea that like even even if he was killing it at Georgia, I don't think Louisville should hire him. <laughs> so yeah, it's insane. I, that, I don't know. There was a uh, when Kentucky played Auburn, there was a picture of Katie Johnson talking to Severe Wheeler, and I was like, that's got to hurt Georgia fans. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's 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 a tough one. Um, our next one is the fighting Fred Hoybergs in Nebraska. Where do you at with Hoyberg? They got a yeah. I, I I don't know how that went. That's another one that to me felt like a, I don't know if a home run hired on if there is such a thing as Nebraska hiring a basketball coach. Like I, I didn't expect Nebraska to you know go to Final Fours with Hoyberg or anything, but to to hire a guy with NBA experience and I know again like that's that's kind of a an asterisk put there when we're talking about that, but like. He was great at Iowa State, and I, I don't know what it is because I've heard that Nebraska has great basketball facilities. People seem to care about basketball there. I but but they got to do something. Yeah, I, I think Hoiberg should just resign. 
I think like that's I think Hoiberg should just do like a shock of smart move and just get out of town before save face and before yeah, they can yeah, fire him. Yeah. Just get out <laughs> let's like take the take a job somewhere else and um yeah, because I, I, I th- that's another that's not quite on the Chris Mack level of head scratching. How it, how did it go wrong? But like, I did not expect Nebraska to be this bad uh, under Fred Hoiberg, especially because same thing, dude. Like t- Tim Miles, like like Nebraska's got to be looking back on that and be like, what did we do? Tim Miles was, I, I thought more about Nebraska basketball with Tim Miles there than I have in my entire life combined. You know, some of those years that Tim Miles had. Um, Call him, get him back. <laughs> That's what we should do. I want every I want every program to just hire a coach that they used to have. <laughs> bring back Tim Miles to Nebraska. Bring back Rick Pitino to Louisville. Uh, <laughs> if that were to happen, this next one would be very interesting uh, because it's Penny Hardaway at Memphis. <laughs> mm. I don't think I don't think Penny's on the hot seat because I don't think Penny can be on the hot seat. I think yeah. I think <laughs> Memphis is too married to Penny Hardaway right now. That. Penny decides. Penny decides. What yeah, and I think, I think it's gonna, it's it's gonna have to really crash and burn. I don't think losing games is how it crashes and burns for Penny Hardaway at Memphis. I think it's like, th- there's got to be more layers to it. There's got to be off court stuff. There's got to be, um, because they, again, it is absolutely hilarious how this man got the job. Tubby Smith was the coach at Memphis. He was not killing it, but he was not bad per se. You know, it's just like Memphis wanted more. And Penny Hardaway is sitting on the fringes and is like, I'm Penny Hardaway and I know James Wiseman. And if you hire me, I'll get James Wiseman to come here. And every Memphis booster is like, we have to fire Tubby Smith and get Penny Hardaway. <laughs> Just based on that alone. And then James Wiseman played three games for Memphis. <laughs> and that's how Penny Hardaway got the job. Um, so what, once you've done that, you're kind of stuck, you know, like you've, you're, you've, you've, you've made your bed and you kind of just have to ride it out. But if you're talking like if Penny Hardaway was named Josh Pastner and he was coaching in Memphis, yeah, they'd be running his ass out of town right now for sure. For sure. No question about it. But he's not. He's Penny Hardaway, so I think he's fine. (laughs) Yeah, and then our last one, and I'm going to preface this one by saying just because the conference is so abysmal that for some reason Duke doesn't win the ACC, does Coach K come back? Does he say, I can't do – I got to leave on a good note? My my coach – so John Shire, yeah, John, so, Shire, so John Shire, Shire before he gets already. on the seat, is he on the hot seat? <laughs> yeah. My co-host Tate Frazier, who uh, was the guy who broke the news that Coach K was retiring a month before everyone else did, and no one took him seriously, including myself. Um, <laughs> he genuinely believes that if Coach K, if if what you said happens, that Duke doesn't win the ACC, and say Duke like gets upset in the second round in like a seven-two game or something like that, he genuinely believes that Coach K is going to come back. And I, <laughs> he's not even, he's not even joking. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case, but like he's talked me into it where I've gone from K is a hundred percent retiring to like, I'm at like 97% now. So <laughs> I think that's, that would be actually amazing. That would actually be, that would make me respect K more than I ever have before. If he was like, I was going to retire. Thank you for that entire farewell tour. I appreciate it so much. But uh, but real quick, <laughs> but I'm going to come back. Actually, as it turns out, that would be so good. It sounds like it sounds like we need a a, a Lehigh or a Mercer to step in and knock him out. <laughs> would um, you? I was thinking about this. Would you rather Ohio State? We've already beat Duke, so I guess this is kind of like a not a great hypothetical here. Um, but try, try to yeah, let's try to talk through this here. Would you rather be the program? that beats Duke in say the second round and ends coach K's tenure makes it a fit like makes coach K go out into the sunset as a failure 
Or would you rather go on like a final four run that Houston went on last year where it was like, let's be honest, a little fraudulent that you never played a single digit seed on the entire final four run. And then you get stomped by Baylor. If you're say like a, I guess you'd rather go to the final four, right? Well, yeah, it depends. You just said, do you, you beat Duke in the second round, but does that infer that you lose the next game? The next yeah. round? Then yeah. you go to the elite eight and lose. I don't know. This is a bad hypothetical. I just like, I, I do think that there's like, like if you're a team like a Lehigh, if Lehigh pulls off the upset of Duke, but, but it happens this year, you're remembering that team forever. You're going to remember them forever. And there are final four teams that people don't remember, you know, like the final four feels like an ultimate huge, massive goal. But like, I don't know if you ask people who went to the final four or five years ago, most people that even people that follow college basketball, be like, I'd have to think about that. That's a great question. But I bet people will remember the team that knocked Duke out in the second round forever, right? You're oh, legends. Yeah. Whoever You're drops, legends at that point. <laughs> whoever drops 30 for that 15 seed is getting his, his jersey yes. hung up and definitely. I mean, people will never forget Oral Roberts beating, you know, beating Florida in That's the NCAA right. tournament. Yeah. It's the only how, team to beat. embarrassing only is that? Team And they beat, almost though. beat Arkansas, too, which is <laughs> crazy to think about. That's, yeah. What a run. Is the SEC on the hot seat? Just those two teams. Um, that was a bad. That was a bad hypothetical. I apologize to all your listeners for insulting their intelligence. That was stupid. You'd rather go to the Final Four, definitely. I was just. I was trying to. I got carried away. I got carried away a lot on this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're good, Mark. We appreciate your time. Um, the Titus and Tate podcast Tuesdays and Fridays are episodes, right? That's right. Yep. Tuesdays so and Fridays. check out Titus and Tate podcast Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your uh, music and podcast. Mark, we appreciate it. Uh, have a good weekend and hopefully we can get you on in the future again. Yeah, thanks guys. Had a lot of fun. And a big thanks again to Mark for joining us. He certainly brings a different perspective to things as someone who played the game and was around the program and now has been around college basketball for 10 to 15 years covering it. Um, and he's a Buckeye, which which we love. If you found us on the website, make sure to also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you get your music. Uh, you can find us under the Land Grant Holy Land feed, so search that up, hit follow or hit subscribe, and you'll be notified whenever we put out new episodes. And make sure to follow along on the Twitter machine, the Bird app, at BucketheadsLGHL, as well as the website at LandGrant33. Uh, we're pretty active on the Bucketheads account, uh, just trying to build that, and especially during games. We like to interact with people, so you know, follow us on there, and also make sure you follow the main account. Uh, because that's where you get every all the information that we put out, especially uh, all the Land Grant Holy Land podcasts, which come out pretty much every day. There's a lot of them, a lot of great stuff going on there. So make sure you can you know support all of that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Justin underscore Golba. And Connor, where can the people find you? If they want, they can follow me on the old Twitter machine at Lamons, which is L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. And go Bucks. <laughs>